Welcome to Acute Conversations, the official podcast of APTA Acute Care, where we share engaging conversations about acute care physical therapy so that you can connect to your profession. Today, we'll share a special episode recorded live at CSM 23 in San Diego. This will feature numerous guests and their insights about the conference. And now, here to kick it off is our host, Leo. Good morning. We're here at CSM 2023, San Diego. I just met up with Morgan and Rodolin from the practice committee. Good morning, everyone. Hi, good morning, everyone. I'm Rodolin. Hope you're all having fun. What I wanted to ask the two of you is what are you looking forward to during CSM here? Reconnecting with colleagues and people we hadn't been able to see in the last couple of years. Same thing, networking. What do you have looking forward to in terms of practice committee for the upcoming year? Well, in terms of practice, we just released our lab values guideline and looking forward to updating the competencies for that. So please keep an eye out and share with all your colleagues. Um, looking forward to hopefully having a webinar on that and looking for some new opportunities for our committee as well. Are you looking for people to help out? Of course. Rodolin, what about you? Anything you're looking forward to in the next year with the practice? We have lots of things going on. We have member spotlight. Yes, we have the member spotlight. We also have the clinician toolbox that we're working on. And should we mention also the vital signs for the pediatrics also? Shout out to Rodolin because the amount of work in terms of formatting for all these different documents we put out to the practice committee, Rodolin has been clutch putting these things together. So yeah. awesome. Thank you, Rodolin. Very You're cool. Welcome. Thanks to Morgan for <laughs> encouraging me to do that. I, I have a joke. I already told him this joke when I tell this again. Why did the elephant go to physical therapy? Well, I guess the elephant had poor trunk control. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> This is Leo from Acute Conversations, one of the co-hosts, and I'm here after the Oxford debate. And first we have Sharon Gorman, who has some comments after the debate here today. Sharon. I just want to say, as much as it pains my soul after the trash talking, mad props to the con team. They did a great job, and it's clear that what they care about is that our students are prepared for acute care and that we have the best preparation in students that we can and I think we came to an agreement that what we need is both simulation and great clinical education. Awesome. Thank you, Sharon. Katie Brito, you were on the con team against having simulation come for clinical ed hours. Do you have any comments? Yeah, I mean, Sharon, again, much love and respect to you and the rest of your team. You guys put in a hard fight there. We did come out on top. There needs to be a cohesive way to ensure that we're giving students the best opportunity to succeed. And there are merits to both sides of the argument. But at the end of the day, to really prepare clinicians for the multi-dimension acute environment, we do need a degree of both. All right, I'm here with Elisa Curry here at CSM over in San Diego. Elisa, any uh, comments after the debate here? I think it was a very healthy discussion about uh, the importance of students uh, to practitioners in any practice, but especially in acute care. I think that we can benefit from one another. Students always are going to need the experience and the toolboxes that any clinician who's been practicing for a long time can offer because it's all about gathering more tools for your toolbox. 
And on the opposite side of the spectrum, I think that those of us that have been practicing for any length of time can always use the perspective of what's being taught to our student population and what is changing in practice and especially what's been shown in literature. The, the bottom line is that we all need each other to strengthen our profession. It adds to the importance of acute care as a specialization and it also just, I think, really brings home the fact that healthcare is a team sport and we all need to work together. No one person is better than the group together. And it's great that you bring up this concept of team sport because I learned from Alisa Curry that in order to get a joint replacement program to be working really well, it takes a joint effort. That's from Elisa Curry. Another nugget of wisdom I learned at CSM. Oh my God, you with the dad jokes, you're killing me. <laughs> I love it, I love it. All right, I'm here with Sharon Gorman, and I learned something new today that Sharon's going to explain. The difference between burnout and moral injury. I'm gonna give you the world's simplest breakdown, so please nobody hold this against me. I'm not pulling out all my evidence and reading you quotes at this point, but on its simplest level, you can kind of think of burnout as an individual issue with where the person can try and do things to help their feelings about feeling productive and what's going on in their life and what's going on in their career. But it's really uh, solutions to burnout are aimed at the individual. Whereas moral injury really is something that's derived more from a systems level issue like healthcare in this country or the way we dealt with the pandemic, something that's a lot bigger than any one individual. So trying to address moral injury through techniques that address an individual's feelings really are not going to be successful. You can't yoga your way out of moral injury. It may help you with your feelings of burnout, but moral injury is going to take a systemic solution and systemic understanding to try and relieve that kind of stress in situations that we've seen like the pandemic. Shannon, thank you so much. Again, this is one of the, the big perks at being at CSM. You get to learn so much from the top leaders in our field. So Sharon, thank you so much. All right, here we are, day two for Acute Conversations. We're here at CSM 2023, San Diego, and we're just interviewing people after our big acute care meeting on Friday night. Sir, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Dr. Jamie Dyson. I'm from Orlando, Florida, and I have been an acute care physical therapist for over 30 years. I'm so excited to be here at the acute care business meeting. So exciting that my colleague and friend, Dr. Kim Levenhagen, was elected to membership chair for the Academy of Acute Care. She's one of my favorite speakers. She'll be speaking tomorrow morning on, you know, ICU shouldn't leave a mark. You know, surviving ICU shouldn't leave a mark. Our patients shouldn't be surviving ICU stay and having a wound. And so she'll be talking tomorrow about how do we prevent these wounds from occurring? And we can just make our patients move so much better if we can prevent these wounds from happening in the first place. So I'm really looking forward to hearing her speak tomorrow morning on that. Thanks, Leo, for having me just give a couple of minutes of, of conversation with you here this evening. I have a joke for you, Jamie. Okay. Where do acute care physical therapists that work with cardiopulmonary patients, where do they go party on Friday night? You want to know? At the pack party? They, go to, they like to go digital clubbing. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I try not to do that on Friday nights. <laughs> All right, why don't you tell us who you are and where you're from? So, hi, my name is Archana Vatwani. I am a physical therapy faculty at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Who's been your favorite speaker so far at CSM? 
I don't really know if I can say that I have a favorite speaker, but I absolutely adore and follow Dr. Lisa Van Hoos. Speaks a lot of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, justice, anti-racism, and the social determinants of health. So I've followed her talks and followed her conferences as well. So that's been awesome. And can you tell us something new that you learned so far at CSM? Well, there's so much information that we learn every day as therapists as, and as educators, uh, but I think that we've come a long way when it comes to the diversity, equity, and inclusion belonging field, but we have so much more work to do, especially looking at the social determinants of health and population health in general. That's great. Actually, our co-host Ashley Poole has done some research on this, this sense of belonging on acute care rotation, especially with, clinic, uh, with clinicians and also new students, so I bet Ashley has something to contribute to that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, I'm here with Kate Kugler. We work together on NAMCOM. Kate, tell me, what are you going to be presenting on tomorrow? Tomorrow we're presenting a research project that I worked on with some coworkers when I was at a level one trauma center in Colorado Springs, UC Health, looking at screening for acute concussion and trying to capture if there was a gap that we were missing between individuals that had symptoms on a subject report but maybe did not have a diagnosis, an ICD-10 diagnosis in their chart to see if we felt like clinically at least we were seeing folks that were coming in that had significant injuries and were reporting symptoms consistent with a concussion but weren't getting the diagnosis and getting the education that they needed. So hoping to capture that in the acute care setting. Kate, I have a trivia question for you. This is a joke, actually, but you say you have a patient that came in, they cough out a king, a rook, a pawn, and a bishop. What type of diagnosis do you have? Do you want to guess? They have a chest infection. Uh, very nice. Very nice. <laughs> I'm here with Lisa Henderson, who has, by some way of fate, now been titled as the EMR lady. Why do we call you the EMR lady, Lisa? Practicing all around the country as a military spouse, I saw good EMRs and bad EMRs. And despite loving patient care, I fell in love with the health IT tech side, which is weird for PTs, right? So I now work with them, improving them to improve PT practice and subsequently patient care. Could you tell us a little bit about your poster presentation that you have? So I did a poster on military spouse physical therapist employment and the challenges therein. So right now there's a bunch of legislative actions surrounding licensure, which is great, but it really just kind of scratches the surface of the challenges that military spouses face in career progression, employment, things like that. And so I just wanted to bring awareness to the topic because there are a lot of military spouse PTs out there. One group, we have over 400, and so we're a small portion of the population, but we're out there. We're out there working hard and doing the best for our patients, and, but we just have a few extra hills to climb, and we're just, I just wanted to bring that to, to ABTA and you know, bring some awareness. All right, I am here at the Academy of Acute Care Social right after the business meeting where Eric Stewart won the, tell me the award. The uh, Catherine Harris Clinic Acute Care Educator Award. The Catherine Harris Acute Care Educator Award. So we're really excited to chat with you. Please tell us a little bit of your story and what led to you winning this award. I'm really excited to win the award. It's, it's an it's a nice it's a nice honor. I have been at University of Delaware for the last 10 years where I primarily teach the acute care cardiopulmonary content and it's something I've been very passionate about and so it's nice to receive something like this. So, what are you drinking right now? Stone IPA. 
I've, I've got a nice dry Chardonnay here. So I hear a rumor that there's some sort of drinking game. Can you explain? Sure. Actually, Jim Smith, who at the time was the acute care president of the APTA, did make a game for his students because he knew that I had to present at 8 a.m. the morning after this event one year. And so he told any of his students who bought me a drink or had a drink with me that they would get out of a lab assessment the next week. And so his students took that to heart and bought far, far too many drinks that, that night. <laughs> I love it. Leave it to Jim. Jim may have also told me another really nice story. You did a really nice thing for your father. Yes. Can you tell us about that? My father was on dialysis because he was in end-stage renal disease. And luckily enough, I was a match, which was very, very exciting. And so about, let's see, 13 years ago, I donated a kidney. I can relate to that story. My dad's also on dialysis, but he is refusing a transplant, so I can't donate. But I, I commend you for that. So tell us, how's your CSM experience been? Can you highlight anything you've seen and share with our audience? So, yeah, it's been great. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get here until late yesterday. So I've only had one day, and then I presented for a couple of the times. And so I haven't been to a lot, but I did go to a toxicity talk related to patients with cancer and pulmonary and cardiac medication that was outstanding this afternoon. What did you present? I presented with Molly Hickey, Sharon Gorman, and Ellen Rubel on acute care education and like strategies to prepare our students, hopefully better, to, to enter the field ready to go. So tell us, what's next for you? You've won this award. You're doing some great things. Do you have anything you want to share with our audience so they can kind of be on the lookout? Ah, wow, that's on spot. I don't know necessarily what's next. I, you know, the submission series for CSM comes up very, very quickly. So generally on the flight home is when I'll start trying to figure out what it is that we were doing that that's worthy of, of sharing. And hopefully we can do something related to clinical reasoning, I think, in acute care is something that we really need to do more of. So if our listeners want to find you, do you have like a Twitter account? Do you have a LinkedIn? Anything you want to share with them, how they can reach you? Yeah, so I'm very not tech savvy, but I do have a LinkedIn account. And so people could find me, Eric Stewart, on LinkedIn, as well as, you know, feel free to email me through University of Delaware. You'll find my address on their website. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with us with your IPA. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, I'm here with Adele Mizinski. So this is after our acute care award. Jim Smith actually titled this, this meeting today the Adele Mazinski Show. Oh, is it Glenn? Glenn? It's the Adele Mazinski Show because she won like 10 awards. How many awards did you get? Just two. Just can, two. like five. Just two. Can, can you talk to us about your awards? I just happened to be on the, the foundation of PT as well. That's why it looked like more. But in 2021, we received the Best Manuscript Award for, from Jackpot. I didn't know it was said Jackpot until I listened to your podcast. Anyway, so on transcatheter aortic valve replacement because it was brand new back when we did it. So we went on best manuscript for Jackpot for 2021. So, you know, coincidence that I also got the Mary Sinat Clinical Excellence Award in the same year. So that's why he teased me that it was the Adele show this year. Very cool. What are you looking forward to here at CSM? I love CSM. I'd say though that my, I have 
my top two are this year I've had the pleasure of being on the Health Systems Council. for It's a networking council where really it's listservs and webinars where people from who are part of hospital systems can share knowledge and change delivery of care practices. So I've spent a year on Zoom meetings monthly with them. So we had a meeting this morning and I got to meet these people in person. Say aloha to Lucy, a shout out to Tony. It's really fun to see them in person and see past members. I like meeting you, Leo, and Ashley. I met at, I'll give a shout out to Duke University and Wake Forest and Thomas Jefferson. We're the leaders in the HEFPEF trial, clinical trial. We're doing a phase three, so they brought us together to learn protocol, and I have seen so many alumni from that now. So it's been really fun to actually put names with faces and kind of a reunion of sorts. But my favorite thing about CSM really is the networking and like-mindedness on promoting acute care and what we do what's best for our patients awesome thanks Adele you're welcome thank you all right I am here at the APTA Academy of Acute Care Social with Barb Smith and Carrie Lammers our chairs of the research committee so I want to know at CSM you all have had a lot going on so what would you like to highlight to our listeners Hey, thanks, Ashley. And, you know, we're having a great meeting. I think one thing that was a big highlight was our Research Connections networking event. This is an event that, you know, brings clinicians with a great idea or just an interest in learning more about research, along with leaders and researchers who love to collaborate with clinicians. And our jackpot editor, Kevin Bruley, was there. And we just, we had some drinks. We talked a lot about some great ideas, connecting people, and, you know, maybe future collaborations. It was pretty fun. So I did attend the When Science Meets Practice. And so please, can you please highlight some of that? Because it was really awesome. So our initial, this has been a brainchild for many years, interrupted by COVID and children and things of that nature. But what we did want to really focus on was how to make research tangible, make it feel like this is something I could do. So the intent was to take high scoring platforms in areas that did not necessarily have the resources of a Cleveland Clinic analyst or a Johns Hopkins perspective. And we were trying to find a way to leverage an expert panel to look at the projects talk about the projects, highlight the barriers, the triumphs, the all of the things about research that people kind of forget about or are often discouraged, but also maybe find a way to assimilate with, you know, I can do that too. Oh, it was hard for them too? Oh, then I can do it. Like, that's okay. And then, you know, really bring people to a place where they can take the idea forward. No, it was really great. I I mean, one of the reasons I left clinic to go to academia was because I would have ideas and get frustrated. And so now one of my favorite things is to try to help clinicians bring those ideas to practice. So if there are clinicians out there listening or academic partners who maybe aren't connected to a hospital, are there some things that they can do or ways you all can leverage that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's in fact one member benefit that we're really working hard to expand. We have a research connections task force within the research committee that's led by Josh Johnson, and he's got a great team. And we're working actually to establish and to to go live with an online platform where people can connect, identify areas of interest, and then locate other members 
who have similar interests so that they can collaborate and help carry those ideas out to fruition. That's really awesome. That's a great member benefit. So for those of you out there who aren't Academy of Acute Care members, you may want to think about joining. So is there anything else you want to highlight, Carrie? Like anything you're going to in the next day or two? Or how can they reach you all? So we still have one more platform session. The research blitz is tomorrow at 8 a.m. And it features some pretty fantastic projects. Submissions have elevated over the last five years. We are got, getting to be very selective. So these projects have gone through extensive competitive peer review, and we're just really excited. But if anybody has a question, Barb and I both have our emails on the call to abstracts on the website, which is already live for a call for 2024. Boston, February, Boston, sign me up, sign me up, yes. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to email us and we'll get you on the right path. Well, hopefully we get better weather in Boston than we've gotten this week in San Diego. I'm sure anyone who was here can relate. So one last question. What are you drinking? Craft beer from San Diego. Nice. How about you? Cabernet from Washington State. Love it. Well, thank you both for being here. We're going to have you both on for a longer episode at some point. But this was great chatting with you, and I think our members are going to love to hear this. So I'm here with Anjin and Salmia over here at the, thank you, at the APTA Acute Care meeting. We just finished the meeting, and we're here at the social. So we have a couple questions for the two of you. First of all, Salmia, tell us a little bit about the award that you received on behalf of your whole group, and what was that about? That was a great honor to receive from the academy about, you know, on behalf. And I say like it's a privilege because this is like the first time that award is being instituted and we got the award. And it is for the paper that we published in Journal of Acute Care PT on the, before we did our, started with our clinical practice guideline on the core outcome measure set in acute care, we did a practice survey to want, wanting to know what the academy members want in terms of when we are in for their outcome measure set as an outcome measure set and so we did a practice survey and we wrote that up and published it in journal of acute care pt and was very you know surprised and excited to hear see that like we got the our paper was chosen to be the first studio award for 2022 Awesome. Congratulations. We also have Anjean here. And Anjean actually was instrumental in the development of this podcast. So Anjean, I have a question for you. Tell me something that you learned so far here at CSM. I learned that there are some wonderful clinicians and great education sessions that are available in the Acute Care Academy and that our podcast is going to be very successful because acute conversations will be spoken about by all the people that I can speak to on a daily basis and get in touch with and I'm pushing it big time like I promised you Leo a hundred new a hundred new subscribers we're working towards that I'm working towards that we're pushing it through the education sessions we're pushing I'm pushing it through all the people that I know that I meet and my co-workers so we're we're going to get this podcast up and running big time so based on that, if, if you're going to give us 100 subscribers, I think Ashley and I both have to buy you a drink. What are you drinking right now? Well, I've been drinking my bubbly. I'm a big bubbly person. Prosecco, baby. 
Now, Salmi, I wanted to ask you, so how's it been for you now that we're back in person? It's been wonderful. It's really nice to see people, connect with them, meet old friends. I think we're like seeing people in person after like three years and hugging people too. <laughs> I'm not a big hugger, but I do. I did enjoy the hugs this year. <laughs> after three years, yes. After three years of a fist bumping and hand waving, now we can actually hug again. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming by and talking to us. Thank you. Hi, we're here at CSM at the Acute Care booth. I have some students from University of Colorado who just came from a, a session on PT in the ER. What did you learn from that session? That PTs in the ED are very much needed and it's a huge area of growth for us to come into and make a huge difference. And the importance of screening. They went through a lot of chart review and that was something that I hadn't considered going into in the emergency department. What could we be doing as an association to help benefit students that are interested in acute care? I think opportunities like this are pretty big, just exposure and if we're able, like shadowing opportunities would be great. I know just getting in the hospital, especially with COVID, has been difficult. So if there are shadowing opportunities for us to get exposed and learn, learn more, and then integrating it into our curriculum too, I think is a huge benefit. I would agree, and I always benefit from speakers, like hearing people who are passionate about what they're doing in acute care has always inspired me because I hear and then I'm like, oh, that sounds great. So just more opportunities. There's not a lack of that in the acute care section. I, I'm very motivated just by hearing the speakers. Some of these are my colleagues. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, I have students here from Maryville University, educated by our Linda Crane awardee, and Fick. I'm going to ask them a question. What have you all learned over at CSM? Tell me something that you all learned. Well, I went to talk about PTs in the emergency department, and I learned about the EMTALA law that requires emergency departments and hospitals with emergency departments to give a medical screening exam to any patient that walks in and says that they want to be seen and that the hospital is actually the person the person that determines what provider will give the exam and that's the reason why a PT can be working in a direct access state but a medical doctor might still need to see the patient before we can go in and do our eval. I think Dr. Fick needs to include that as an exam question sometime. <laughs> what do you think? Sound like a plan? Anyone else? You guys want to share something that you learned during CSM? I think from the same presentation, I think they did a really great job of focusing on how important interdisciplinary collaboration is and the importance of advocating for our profession and for ourselves personally. Because as Hannah said, by having those conversations, we get more access and more ability to provide the best care for our patients. Awesome. I have a question for you all. Who was the loudest cheerleader for Anne when she won her award? That would be me. My name is Bruce Holland. That would be me. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, students from Maryville University. All right. I have a PT from New York here, Ifosa Irumse. And I just wanted to ask you, Ifosa, what did you learn at CSM? I would say the biggest thing that I learned is where the academy is moving future-wise and seeing how we're going into more of like specialty and just the opportunities. Because as an acute care therapist, I do believe that acute care is a specialty because you are dealing with so many different things and body systems. So I think that was my biggest thing. And as well as learning about the ICU 
from the leaders and then learning about the, how pharmacology is big when it comes to ICU liberation and then understanding like where PT's role is in that and how if you have a connection with the pharmacist, the respiratory, and the nurse, that can be a fortified force to be able to advocate and be able to educate our physicians to let them know that why PT is needed for our mechanically vented patients. That's fantastic. It's great to, to hear that and to let us know that PT Acute Care, we are absolutely special. Not only are we going to be a specialty, but we are special. And so, fantastic job, APT Acute Care section. We would like to thank all of our CSM 2023 guests for joining us today. Acute Conversations, the official podcast of APT Acute Care. It is hosted by Leo Argulis and Ashley Poole. Executive produced by Katie Brito and Edward Mathis. Music by Alexia Action from Pixabay. For more information about APT Acute Care, please go to aptacutecare.org and be sure to check out our show notes for links and resources from the Academy. If you found value from our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, follow, and share with your friends and colleagues. Join us in two weeks for a conversation with Rebecca Griffith, where we'll discuss physical therapy practice in the ED, her new book, Top of Scope, and acute care as a mindset and not a location. Thank you for listening, and may your shoes and scrubs stay clean today.